Hello, and welcome to The Source of Uncertainty, a Buchla podcast for you. I'm Kyle Swisher. I'm Robert Standifer. And this is episode 23, 24? I'm calling it it 24. (laughs) Uh, As you, for the loyal listener, as you may or may not know, we didn't have an episode in uh, the month of April 2021. Um because of who we're having on the show this month uh we got mark and chip back on from the mems project um and they sent us a pretty cool boat of uh modules to check out so um so yeah we decided to put this off a month till we got all vaxxed up and we could do this in person yeah it's really great to see you yesterday when you came over i was uncertain about whether it was going to happen (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there it is yeah Boom. so we've got a, a really really packed episode uh mark and chip had a lot to say um which was a tremendous amount of fun so yeah i mean what's coming up first kyle the, our featured module segment in person yeah so yeah, more of us sweet. uh yapping and then we'll get to uh mark and chip all right robert it's good to see you in person yeah i've been this has been a long time coming i mean we did see each other in november of uh last year in your garage yeah it was hot stuffy probably smelled like oil no it was cold it was cold and oh you're right it was like november or something man i just I, i mean i remember it happening but I don't believe it happened. <laughs> but we, we, we were um, talking with Allison at the time, but now we haven't done an in-person uh, featured module section since 2019, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's been a long time. And uh, we kind of pushed this episode off a little bit um because of what was in the mail and coming to us and we're kind of getting vaccinated within a couple weeks of each other um and we said to yeah delay a bit so we could be here right now checking out the mems project boat of uncertainty yeah this this thing is really really cool um like it i'm just Kyle brought it over. It came over here about three hours ago. So, and we played with the Colossus for a few minutes. But then he got this out, and I just I'd seen pictures of it. But um, once he patched it up and started messing around with it, I was like, man, you just—it's all this, all these different things in single modules, and then there's a sum of those sort of, but they have their own unique things, and and they're—I didn't know there was a one sixty-five. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we're kind of, we're not 100 series agnostic. (laughs) You know, it's there. I don't have as much access to, (laughs) you know, original 100 series modules as some other people do. Yeah. But I, there's still things that um, I'll like find out about the 100 series. I'm like, oh, I didn't know the, the square wave oscillator has like built in amplitude modulation into it it's like whoa that's that's really cool that didn't really then pop up till uh you know the the 259 later on but uh yeah so we kind of have this the lineage 
of random. We yeah. start over to the left with the random voltage source uh, one, model 165, which is... Look at, look at all these... All that this, blank Yeah, space. it looks like a blank panel. <laughs> the, like, yeah, only the top inch and a half is... <laughs> it's the, the top of it is half an H module. Yeah. And then the rest, three quarters of the module is a, is a blank. Yeah. That's really, you know, I guess there are lots of one, six, one, 100 modules like that, but it reminds me of the ring modulator in Moog, you know, which is a uh, completely blank panel with one quarter inch jack on <laughs> But anyway, yeah, it's not much going on there. Um, and so, so yeah, that just has a, um, two pulse inputs and then it will um and then it has you know two output jacks so back before pomona's were doing stackable um tiny jacks they were just you know single tiny jacks so there was so you'll see on like a lot of the old modules multiple output jacks uh like on this 165 and the 265 each output has like dual outputs oh, yeah um, because you know you couldn't just stack and stack and stack and place them everywhere for the for the banana outputs, not the tiny jacks outputs. Um, yeah, for the yeah, banana, for banana outputs. Out, yeah, because um, I was yeah, it took me a while to kind of figure that out. Like, it was like, why are the old ones like? Why did they just be so? Why was he so redundant with with the output jacks? Where you know you can just keep on stacking, but so, stackable Pomonas were not a thing back um, back in the day. So that's why we've got so two pulse inputs four cv inputs i mean outputs, four, outputs. Four, yeah. four outputs that are two sets of two so one set well set, i right? think they're redundant i think it's going to be the same and we can double check this but um so, so the same like, cv comes from if they're one two three four the same cv comes from one and two yeah and, and then the same cv comes from three and four yeah yeah based on the pulse that matches it yeah and then it has an audio input for tiny jacks yeah and i We'll have to ask. I don't, I don't know what that uh, is. <laughs> Mark and Chip about about that one. I haven't really figured that that thing out. Um, but what kind of uh, is charming about this thing, uh, if I f follow my pulses correctly, um, there are some relays in here. So if I start to pulse it with a two eighty one, I'm gonna put my microphone. Sounds like a clock. There's the Wheel of Fortune sound. Ah, uh, um, <laughs> B <laughs> bankrupt. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's these clicking relays in here, and that actually happens for both of them. But it's kind of cool just to hear the thing. It is cool. I I was when you did it, you like check this out. I thought, man, I. I, my the module makes noise i know that sounds really <laughs> weird but you know it and it's um it's just really neat mm -hmm. i've never seen or heard anything like that before Un that's unintentional i mean yeah um <laughs> should sample that <laughs> i tried to like i got like a you know cheapo contact mic and stuff and tried slapping it on there but didn't really do the job um so then if we kind of I guess maybe we can maybe skip over the next one because I'm not actually sure which came first. 
and yeah. if they were kind of simultaneous or what. The 164 or 165? Uh, 264 or 265. 264, yeah, because yeah. they're not always, the numbers weren't always sequential. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so the 264 is the quad sample and hold, and the 265 was the uh, source of uncertainty. So that's the first source of uncertainty, or first time the module is made, or yeah. called the source of uncertainty because it came from the random voltage source. But did they, so I'm going to jump ahead slightly because I'm sure everybody has this question. Did the 266 supersede the 265 because of something that was missing or was it a natural evolution of the approach to uncertainty? I think it's the, I mean, the way I see it and we kind of can look at all these things, I think it was the natural approach to as I think the 266 comes up in like the late stage of the 200 series um, yeah. where I think everything was Rogan's where if you look at the 264, 265 um, Mark and Chip made them with the, or you know, put the Davies on there, have right. the correct red and black. The black and red. Yeah. So some, a period of time went by some significant period of time, maybe years. Yeah. So it was like, you know, kind of like the 70, 72, I think. Oh, um, yeah. Like a lot of stuff was Davies. I think the Marf came out in 1973, and the Easel was like 72 ish, um, and that and stuff started getting a little bit more colorful and yeah. and with the jacks and the knobs and um, you know and things just got more and more dense, right? Uh, like if you look at the two. Uh, 58 oscillate dual oscillator compared to the 259 right, yeah uh, i mean it's it's bigger but like there's a lot going on and so even with when you um you know if you compare the 265 to the 266 there's one two three four five kind of six separate sections on the 266 compared to one two three um yeah. on the 265 so you know cramming it in there <laughs> but did the, still has an elegance to did it. Did the original 266 have the LEDs like the the clone does? Did the uh, you mean the 265? Well, the, here, yeah, because the, the 265 has these beautiful red lamps. Yeah, you know, and I think, so they switched to the LEDs. Yeah, yeah. And the, for the 266, yeah, they kind of got away from these fatter ones. Even like when yeah. you look at the old, like the um, the two six the envelopes, the, and the 246. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I um, love those red lamps. Yeah. Like, I want to get a 246 and just leave it on. <laughs> I think it's a 246. It's uh, 16 steps. Yeah. I don't know that every... I think the bottom start and stop have, like, yeah. those well, something lamps. Something has a whole bunch but... of lamps on it. And whatever that is, that's the one I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When, like... Running. When... This thing definitely, like, it, it's much more blinding than all the other LEDs yeah. that I've had, like, when I've been... Uh, well, they should be incandescent, any. though, right? Because and these are LEDs in this module, not incandescent red lamps. I, I think based on just how bright they are, mm -hmm. but uh, but I don't know um, if they're incandescent. You can imagine they're going to fade in and out as they. As yeah, they but maybe there's more. They're brighter. Or they are really. More and there's, yeah, there's more above. and more clear plastic going around. If you if you don't know what we're talking about, definitely look this up on you know google this or if you're not watching the video because those lamps are big and they're bright and they're they took up they're the size of a cv jack yeah but yeah a yeah. little bit smaller than yeah yeah i mean we're going on and on about it but they're pretty <laughs> <We> significant can... <laughs> <laughs> so uh so yeah i guess 
you know, there's no noise on the 165. There's a separate noise module. And I believe we can talk to uh, Mark and Chip. Maybe we already talked about this, but um, I thought there had to be some correlation where you would send a noise output into the input of the 165 and it would pull some of its random voltage from that. Yeah, well, the folks will may know that when they're listening to the show. They will... Because we'll have just talked to Chip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're you're, all going to learn together. You guys are in the future. Listeners, well, you're in the future. We're, we don't know. If they skip we're... ahead, yeah, I guess yeah. so. Um, Let's say it in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, source was, or sorry, noise was added to the 265. And uh, mm. Mark and Chip warned me, he's like, the noise in this thing is gnarly. Uh, I don't know if you can like, bring yeah, it up. You want to hear real, that? The noise? Quick. Yeah, that's. There you have it. That's. Yeah. I'm going to do just the left channel there for a second. No, I think you had it. That's that's gnarly, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that's that's the noise there. Um, It's so, like, uh, bubbly. You mm -hmm. know, there's a. It's not white noise, brown noise, pink noise. It's interference you know it's weird yeah what's do you know what's causing that no well whatever it is it's cool (laughs) um and then the 265 has a uh probable uh or sorry kind of a random what's called random voltage outputs and a probable rate of change it doesn't really um say what it is um but it's a fluctuating random voltage uh where you've got uh yeah two outputs they have a cv over the uh rate of the fluctuations and this got then adapted into the 266 so kind of basically the same thing he didn't really change much except he made it a whole lot smaller in um in the 266 um then to come down to the uh uh, random voltage this uh, stored random voltage output uh this kind of is a precursor to the 266 stored random output where it has these correlation knobs uh we were just kind of checking with this beforehand so if we um turn up the um we've got a 259 259 want that output here okay there we go. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're here. Okay, correlation on zero. Lots of fluctuation. Halfway up, a little bit less. Now we're at the one to one. And there's not a lot of fluctuation there. And then we just kind of heard what we were going there. So we switched yeah, back so over switch back. to the 266. That was the mix there for a second, which was kind of <laughs> crazy. Um, we have this set on low, so it's not... It's just kind of set in this low area. Now we're in this mid-range of CV that's coming out. And then we're high. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. I 
I like the look. I like the look of these two Davies knobs. I, actually, on the 265, I like the Davies knobs on that. It just looks. It was as I was watching Kyle kind of turn the knobs. You know, uh, they're nice and big and chunky, and they're only four, and it's kind of all you know very nicely laid out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a really nice looking module and. Um, just looks fun to turn those. That just struck me, and then you touch the rogue, and I think, eh, that's boring. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little tiny. Well, rogan. yeah, I guess yeah, a little, it's a little bit baby more diminutive to. Uh, if it yeah. had this, the medium skirted rogan, then maybe I'd like it more. And that's what's important here, right? What that's I that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we'll we'll go into the fluctuating random, but if you know the two sixty six, which we've kind of um, uh, talked about in our very first episode. Um, kind of know what what that does. So now we'll kind of uh, jump back to. Let me turn off our click tick tick uh, pulses from there. Um, now let's go into this two sixty four uh, quad sample and hold. Okay, I'm gonna turn off the two fifty nine E. Um, and do, so we're using the two sixty eight E. Yeah, so I guess just a little bit of overview before yeah. we kind of get into it. Um, it is what it says it is. It's a quad sam- sample and hold. Um, it's got so, but it can it also has this polyphonic adapter, which is like the bottom kind of half of this module. Uh, so the top half has um, four CV inputs and four CV outputs. So you would you know plug whatever you want to sample into each one of these um, a CV source that you want to sample into the inputs and then there's also a pulse inputs that you would click on as well um so there is uh there's a switch for track and hold and sample and hold um i've had a couple people try and (laughs) tell me the difference between the two and i'm not like in use i'm not i'm I'm, you're looking at you because you're the only other person in this room i'm just telling you i've struggled to understand it myself because i I have a depth for module that does track and hold and sample and hold and i don't know the difference and like i guess i i need somebody to show me like here this is what sample and hold is doing this is what on the module so what it says yeah so if you click it or up on the switch says track and hold tracks while pulse is high and then if you switch it down sample and hold samples on rising edge of pulse um i've it's so clear yeah i've kind of tried to there's things that i i think like oh this is this is acting this way because i have it in track and hold and then i'll flip it the other way and then i don't really hear (laughs) a difference think we, we can try it out here, you know? Yeah. I remember, I mean, we don't need to get into it for too long, but I remember that track and hold was, like, a sample and hold will sample the incoming CV for the length of a of a gate or a pulse. Okay. And then a track and hold will, yeah. Will sample <laughs> that CV. The, and... It'll sample the CV as the pulse is held is the gate is held open? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and that just kind of gets into weirdness because there's not a lot of. I mean, gates are not really right. a thing in Bukla. Yeah. Um, you know, there is maybe three modules that have something like called a, a pulse length. Yeah. Um, in, in some of the sequencers, but it's I, I can't. Um, I guess I haven't 
been told like, well, you use this, you use or like, this is what this is good for. Um, and it just isn't that prevalent throughout the system only in, I think just like the two, uh, 45 and 246 um, sequencers. And then kind of on the, um, the 251. Yeah. E. Cause you can set a length of the, in the quad sequential voltage source, you can set a length, basically an interval of a note and it will, I'm using air quotes, hold the pulse. Mm-hmm. It'll make a pulse length of, of whatever that interval is relative to the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and I remember Doug saying something about how wrong that is, how wrong that language is, but I, I can't remember it exactly. <laughs> and he's right, you know, you, you don't have a long pulse. A pulse is a pulse, but... Yeah, yeah, it's not what I think of. It's, so it's kind of like, well, we don't have gates, and so that's what we're... Yeah, is it the know? amount of CV and of the pulse is over 5 volts, you know, and that's how it does the sustain in the 281? Mm-hmm. Um, 281, yeah, so yeah, and in the two, you know, I guess there's like you can hold notes kind of like on the 218. Um, I it's, don't know, it's funny how so this is episode 24 <laughs> chronologically, but 23 by number, and we've talked about this in the past. Um, it's impossible to know all of this, and then to a lesser extent remember a lot of it when it doesn't apply like yeah. Doug told me what a sustained pulse is you know and the right way to describe that and and i knew that for a while and then i forgot because it didn't, <laughs> it didn't mean anything anymore yeah yeah exactly i was talking with um i forget who i was i mean it was with a uh, steve barsky who like helped um get the uh, the marfs uh firmware oh yeah all up into working order um and that thing is just like so deep and there's so different many things you can do with it. I will just, I'll get into one mode of using it and then I won't for six months to, to a year. And it's yep. like, oh yeah, I haven't used uh, sustain or enable at all. And it's like, well, what do those do? And how do I trigger it? What's the best way to use yep. those? So there's a lot of stuff to forget. Yeah. You know, like with the Colossus, I had to relearn subtractive synthesis. Uh, and so, right. yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it comes back to pulse lengths and track and hold and things. And, and I sometimes just think, I, I'll look it up, it'll apply, and then I'll move on because I'm making music. But yeah. some of this stuff, um, of course, is very fundamental. and We need to remember, like, uh, interval and <laughs> BPM. Yeah. And it's like, the nobody's giving me any quizzes on yeah. this, you know? So it's like... <laughs> and people are like, these guys don't know what they're talking about. I want my money back. <laughs> like, oh. Good luck. Um Okay, so back to the 264, and it's uh, tracking and holding and whatnot. Um, so that's kind of the upper section way I just described. So, you know, as you would think of a, a sample and hold, you put a, you know, some sort of CV source into it, uh, a pulse to track that or to hold that, and then it's going to have an output. So now this bottom section, which is the polyphonic adapter, um, it has its own... Um, I guess kind of start top down. It has its own pulse outs um, that conveniently um, connect to the pulse input of each of the quad sample and holds um, with the shorting bars. And so we've got like four yeah. red shorting bars going into there. Looks cool. Looks dope. Yep. yep. Um, and then you've got below that, um, I guess to start in the middle, this number of voices. So depending on how many voices 
or oscillators you want to or whatever you want to control with this polyphonic adapter uh, you can set it from uh, two three or four and then it's got a or one uh no 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 but there's a one so it'll go one two well one's always there oh it, I, I see one and two yep and then one and three one, one two and three one two three one two three four one, two, i got three, four. it four yeah um, and then it has a pulse input that kind of connects to that. So what that is going to, or I guess, and then a, uh, CV input as well. So instead of taking like four, uh, CV inputs, different inputs and putting them into each of the sample and holds, uh, you can just have one source, but you can divvy that out to the four oscillators in this case, yeah. um, using this polyphonic adapter so you set the switch to common instead of separate there's two different modes of of using the or i guess Ooh. using it the quad sample and hold by itself um, individually or set a common cv input then you put in your pulse input and that pulse is just going to cycle through um the voices so one two three four with every um with every pulse there's also a offset which is interesting where you basically <laughs> and it's set to be right up like at the top like you know zero offset is at the top of this knob and then you can uh, negatively bring down that like take down that voltage or um, amp what it do up. you mean negatively it's not well it's so not... that's the thing it kind of it puts in a buffer so I'm guessing this is like at five volts right here okay um, and so negative would go down to zero, not minus five. Um, yeah, so it would go down. It would bring down this offset. So I guess it's really. I mean, here's what's weird. So see how there's like a there's an arrow up at the top. Yeah, like right here. And like that would be your here. your center point, right? Yeah, where it kind of wants you to have it. But actually, this is like zero volts. If we have it turned all the way to the negative to the yeah. left, um, and then adding. Uh, all the way up. I don't. I guess. I, yeah. I don't know. If you're exactly sending how negative many. voltage into my two sixty eight E, you're not. No. It's, no. It's just. No. It's, it's just adding. <laughs> it's adding CV on or it's yeah adding yeah. voltage on top of what is being uh, sampled. Yeah. So that and we can we'll, we'll ask Chip and and um, find out exactly what that is. Yeah. But it's probably five volts and then into onto the signal and then adds five more for plus and removes the five on minus. yeah yeah um and then there's a modulation input um with an audio jack uh kind of like a fm input on yeah. the oscillators that you see in bukla um so yeah it's kind of very interesting <laughs> controls what's uh what i like to know is this kind of a bunch of this section this polyphonic adapter uh, got implemented into some of the polyphonic keyboard mm. uh, modules that Don did yeah. later on. The one with actual black and white keys. Have you seen those? They're like yep. a 238 or something like that. Same pictures of it. Yeah. I doubt I'll ever see one in real yeah. life. Yeah. Um, I think Alessandro Cortini, yeah, he has one in yeah. one of his systems. And then also the one I like to bring up every six months, the 219, which has yeah. got the flat, you know, kind of 218 style, but... You can. Does it have a joystick? It has two joysticks. Yeah, that's. And, I love that thing. Yeah, and yeah. so that has like also this offset 
and modulation, which kind of like, so then you kind of thinking like, oh, it works in the sense of a keyboard. This offset also in that situation has a CV input. So you could kind of, you could run CV into it and you can get like yeah. a, um, like a vibrato or something mm. like if you're doing a, do, a 218. Um, but you also have the audio option here. Plus you can just kind of, you could maybe sequence you can sequence key changes yeah. um, cool. if you wanted to with this. So, well, the, the, looking at these two for folks that, if you're not watching the video, they, these are beautiful modules. So the, the 165 is actually pretty elegant in its simplicity. <laughs> I, do, I do really like it. The 264 and the 265 have this sort of really clean layout and structure, you know, compared to 200E modules, which have a ton of stuff on them. I think like the 251E is a beautiful module. There's a ton of inputs and outputs and screens and stuff. And these don't have that and there's, and they've been comparing it to the 266, which has a lot going on and still a gorgeous module, but there's an elegance here that I, I really yeah. like. And I kind of wish that the stuff wasn't so beautiful because then it wouldn't make me want, like the 219, <laughs> if that was just a boring, ugly keyboard, but the functionality is cool, I wouldn't lust after it. But the damn thing's so beautiful, <laughs> like the 227. But anyway, yeah. I just wanted to say, like, you should, folks really look at the pictures of these two things because they're, or watch the video, because um, they're beautiful modules. So let's, let's get a sense of this thing yeah. in action. <clears throat> so bring up the 260E, right? This is the uh, King Quad Trans Event Generator 260AE, which is, I'm sorry, the graphic wave, I was looking at the wrong module, the graphic waveform generator 260AE, which is four oscillators. So let's just bring up, yeah, see what's one and two. happening. So do you want one A and B to go left and right? Sure. Okay. I'm driving over here. And we need to have, which voltage source do you, okay, we've got that going there. So we've got, so these are all four oscillators going. And in the, um, we have the uh, fluctuating random from the 165 that um, is controlling the, like, what is that? That's the wave. The wave, the, that source is the, um, is basically the CV that controls drawing the waveform on, on tape. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is the speed, the speed of the tape. Speed of the tape. Yep. So one, the first one was the stylus drawing on the tape, and the second one is the speed of the state of the tape. Kind of like a, like a seismograph. Gotcha. We're gonna have to do that uh, module at some point. We do. We yeah, folks, we, we need to do this module really bad. But I'm never gonna sell it, so we can wait until you know <laughs> forever. We uh, do it last. So yeah, kind of two fluctuating randoms controlling the speed. So the timbre is going to shift a bit, but I might yeah. kind of go maybe just to show off more of a simple um, wave shape. Um, okay, so now let it, let's. So we're get, we're gonna do like really basic um, style of. I'm gonna use uh, two channels from the 281, and I'm gonna have one cycle. Um, and that's going to be our CV source. So I have them, the two knob, the Tactic A kind of straight up right now. And then if I start, I'm going to do kind of longer pulses. Um, 
Should we take the... Oh, actually, it's this, this is CV. Yeah, okay. Got yeah, it. You got go. it. So right now... <laughs> I can't remember what's going on. <laughs> so yeah, now okay. we, it's basically it's cycling through... Yeah, you've One, got CV two. coming. You've got a CV coming out of here. Did you want the pulse out? Nope, okay. because I've got Just, a separate source that's pulsing it. So I've oh, got, I see. It's a black input. Okay. Yeah, so I've got CV going into the polyphonic input. Then yeah. I have a secondary pulse from another 281 channel. Yeah. Um, that is pulsing out of the rate. So if I up the, kind of get that classic. <laughs> so I'm pulsing. Uh, this at a pretty fast rate. And what changes the pitch CV for each one of these four out outputs going into the 268? So it's the um, the attack and uh, oh. the 281 envelope. Like that's what we're I got we're it. sampling right now. Yeah, I got so it. like as you're, I think probably most people have like done a sample and hold. They probably put an LFO yeah into a sample and hold. We could also, you know, we could take the fluctuating random. Oh man, I love the way that sounds. <laughs> so we're taking the flexion rate random output oh. from the <laughs> 265. And it's set to like 0.5. Um, I can go slower. I want to put a delay on that so bad. <laughs> and I'll slow down my... Oh. The amount of time that I'm pulsing it. <laughs> Kyle will love that so much. <laughs> So here's the other weird thing that we can do. So we have this offset, right? And I've had it straight up. So if I go down. Oh, yeah. So now this is kind of like the base pitch that we have it um, yep. tuned to. Yep. Which is, which is like pretty low. 13.75, which means the pitch knob is turned fully counterclockwise. Um, and then we can kind of go back up to middle. Boy, I could just listen to that. You should make that the outro music for this episode. There might be some yeah, yeah. stuff in the can. Um, some, like a, a, a delay on that, you know, with, uh, with some feedback. And this is kind of coming into self. That would be really cool. Um, so now I've got like the offset turned all the way up. So now everything's pitched up higher. I think... Um, Augustus and Jacqueline are really going to like this. <laughs> yeah, we're this sound we're getting like, cosmic with this shit. Well, yo. it sounds a little bit like what is on their latest album. You know, that kind of sci-fi, you know. I mean, yeah, modern. the sample hold. Yeah, it's kind of classic. You know, yeah. like this is your classic random. That that was more prevalent in other um, types of synthesis. Yeah. Like in that um, Galaxy Terror, I think was the name of the movie that we were talking about with... Um, Oh yeah, with uh, the, Barry, uh, Barry Schrader. Yeah, and this is the kind of sound that even though he, he actually, you know what, this he probably used this um, because this was a module at yeah. Cal Arts. And I, so, uh, how many two fifty eights would one typically use with? Do you think you know with the four these four outputs here? Would they use two two fifty eights with two sections, or you know four like Barry had a a lot in the Atlantis system. Yeah, right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on like what you have access to. I was yeah. I was trying to run all four as much as I could like at home. I mean, that's what's kind of nice about this when the um the key module cuz it was like, well, we got four oscillators, so we're might as well plug all four in there. Where I had at home, I was kind of like bouncing between a 258 
and then also sending pitch to yeah i think it was to both inputs of like my 259 um or sometimes splitting one over to like the um to my music easel as well so also what i want you to hear before you uh, turn anything else on in here i'm um, messing with the delay sorry kyle <laughs> i had to hear it okay um, had to. i'm gonna turn up the modulation so we've got okay, the turn, the, turn that I, I turned it off <laughs> thanks everybody for your patience while i enjoyed that um i just <sighs> turned up a little bit of the modulation input so we have a uh triangle lfo coming out from the 259 um, e the modulation section so now it's like all these you know we're getting these vibrato so let, let me point something out real quick you hear this sound it's because the tape is really slow mm. so as the waveform kind of rolls off the tape you know it, it makes that sound i could maybe so kind of speed up it, the random that might yeah there it goes again so what, let me change the it's a good sound there we go so it'll be a little bit more consistent so you know this is basically like an fm input so we're using this in like low frequency mode right and, and Wish I had that you know, now we're we're above halfway if i go up to max i mean we're pretty drunk cool. but what if we put this in um audio rate this uh, the lfo yeah Let's pack, let me put the 259 in high here. Yeah. yeah you can jack it up as long as you want it. Yeah, and then, I mean, so that's just like on a triangle, right? Yeah. So you can... Oh, the square is gnarly. Let me go to the, the ramp there. Oh, square wave. You know, it can get nasty too. And then let's, you know, let's can speed up our cool. so I've um, so I sped up the rate of change that's also um, that's giving us a lot more timbre so this is kind of we have this double connected so there's going to be a lot of change here yeah that's cool It just sounds so damn good. <laughs> it's part of that's a 26080. I got the credit there, you know, four oscillators, polyphonic, and all of that. But dude, it's just that's with no effects or anything at all. So you can, you know, mess around with that a little bit. It's amazing. Let's put that on a, the 259 on a ramp there, because it'll, yeah. <laughs> Okay, wait. Put it back on that slow one. I'm I'm gonna do my delay thing. Yeah, let's bring it back to the. This yeah, gives us a more classic uh, vibrato. Roberts, got my Valhalla delay here. Which is kind of a vintagey style delay, you know, it's not really, really aggressive compared to some of the other 
um, delays that I have will mm-hmm. add like a ton of. I don't think I can hear that in my headphones, right? So maybe it'll. S- I could hear it on the background. Okay. Yeah. Um, Just gotta turn it up to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've been like super psyched about this module. Um, it, but here's the thing. Um, here, I'll kind of turn us down a bit. Um, oh yeah. This, there's no delay. I haven't done anything at oh, all. Oh, it got you. It's, it's doing it on its own. It's <laughs> so cool. There we go. Um, so this, what is kind of cool is this, there is a sample and hold section in the 266, and it does kind of borrow a, half of this polyphonic section um if you look at the 266 and we didn't really go over it too much in our um um in our first episode but there is a pulse in and then there's these alternate pulse outs there's also the cv in that has a main cv out and then alternate cv outs so what you can do is um you know you're putting your one so every time it's pulse it's going to go like let to the left output and then if it's pulsed again, it'll go out the right output and it won't go oh, there. Yeah, yeah. So then you could, what you could do, so we could put like our pulse or whatever we're pulsing from, put that LFO into the CV input and then we can put it, basically we can kind of do like a duophonic. There's going to be yeah. um, two different CVs that are being So you could get close held. to what you did with the 265 using the sample and hold section of the 266. Or with the two sixty four, yeah, you can do yeah. half of, yeah, you can kind of do half of it. I mean, you can, um, you know, you can just pulse it regularly, do a CVN, use a normal CV out, but you can put it into two different oscillators or you know, yeah. divvy up. I have done like a couple um, patches using like the two eighteen, um, where I am able to play kind of two notes at a time oh, cool. with, with that. Um, so maybe let's quickly uh maybe set up shop with uh the 218 and this does you know with with a keyboard input we kind of can we can play four note chords and four oscillators cool with the 218 yeah i want to check that out okay i'm going to do a patch with the uh, 264 quad sample and hold um, and the 218 and basically using its polyphonic adapter section uh, I'm going to be able to play four notes on four different oscillators kind of at the same time kind of Um, so uh, as you may or may not know the uh, 218 uh, from the music easel has uh, just one kind of main pitch out so it's like a monophonic uh, output, uh, but if we plug it into the polyphonic adapter, uh, it's CV in, and there's a switch down here from separate to common that then kind of routes to the four different sample and hold sections. If we route it to common, um, it will then, um, yeah, kind of e- with each note press, it's going to sample that note that I'm pressing, uh, that voltage, go to one of the uh, outputs which is going to go to an oscillator and then the next one is going to uh, 
kind of pulse over to the, the next voice in line, sample that note, run it to that oscillator. So you can't um, press on like all the keys at once <laughs> because uh, you kind of have to go in, because you have to press in order. Like if I were to jam <laughs> two notes at the same time, A, the, the 218 is not going to know which one was kind of pressed and it's just going to choose one over the other. Um, so when you kind of play like this, you have to, um, I don't know, I guess I don't, I, I, I am not a keyboard player, so I'm sure there's like a, um, a right way to say this, but you kind of like arpeggiate into the notes, uh, instead of playing them all like at once in unison, you kind of have to play them one at a time. But with the way that I have these envelopes set up, um, so the kind of the full signal chain is um, the uh, 218 going into the 264 sample and hold. Um, the pulse output of the 218 um, is, we're gonna get weirdly technical with this. Um, it's first got to go into a 281 channel on, um, the, so the quad function generator, uh, because there's a bit of a lag when using the 218 and the 264. I've found it samples, the pulse will kind of sample before the note and CV value gets to uh, the right pitch where it needs to go. So it kind of, when you use it, everything sounds a bit flat. If you So uh, by running into a 281 channel, um, I can then turn the uh, attack up by maybe like 0.03, um, and then leave the decay all the way down and that will delay that pulse. So it, so when I press the key, uh, it will reach that, um, final pitch value that it wants to get to, and then it will, um, pulse that delayed pulse will then sample like the rec correct <laughs> CV value, then run it through, uh, the quad sample and hold. Um, so everything will kind of sound relatively in tune. Um, but then from uh, the 264, from its pulse outputs, four are gonna go into four um, envelope generators. Um, and the uh, voltage outputs are gonna go into four oscillators. I'm using uh, two oscillators from the dual oscillator, 258. Uh, the complex side or the principal os oscillator side of the 259, also using the uh, complex side of the uh, 208 um, basically because these all have wave shapers, you can go from sine to a either square or saw wave. Um, and that takes a little bit more tweaking with the harmonic section on the 259 oscillator to, um, to do that. But, uh, with pretty short attack and longer decay times, I'm able to, um, play four notes at a time. So that's just one CV source from the 218, playing those four notes in succession, uh, then routes to those four oscillators. So their decays kind of overlap, so it still feels like um, they're you know kind of all being played at the same time. It's really it's that voltage that's being hold for for that um, single note, and then um, once it's progressed through the three other um, voltage outputs or voice number of voices, it'll then kind of steal that 
that first voltage and move on to the next one. Um, so yeah, I've got um, a little bit of pressure kind of going into a bunch of CV processors. Um, I'm also using the, um, so combined with that pressure, uh, running a bunch of random voltage from the 265 uh, and the um, 165. And those are going into, yeah, the CV processors. And then with the uh, pressure, um, it'll randomly uh, bring up the um, the wave shaping on each of these oscillators, um, but it's kind of set to minimum. So as they, if I play with really fat fingers, putting a lot of pressure on the 218, some of these notes will, um, yeah, have their full kind of either square or saw wave sound where some will be still in sine wave mode. Um, so, yeah, also a cool thing that I can do is um, I have, an, let's see, the uh, low frequency oscillator from the 259 complex uh, waveform generator is going into the modulation input uh, on the 264. So I'll turn that up a bit and play with that a little bit. So hear a little bit of modulation now. takes a little bit <laughs> um, before it kind of gets into seasick. Um, what I could do too, uh, oh yeah, I've, I've got this patch kind of running also. Uh, I can bring in some delayed uh, filtered sounds into it. Uh, sorry about that, uh, by running the all output from the uh, 292 low-pass gate into the 296 uh, programmable spectral processor and then into the 277 delay. So you get these kind of sweeping filter delays. Um, what I could do is turn on the uh, arpeggiator section. Um, so, so what's kind of cool is um, if you just hold down on one key, it's going to, and I have it probably the arpeggiator um, uh, rate is probably like at a five or six on the uh, 218. And because it's um, pulsing so fast, it's running through the number of voices on the 264 really fast. So it's, you kind of get these, the uh, all four oscillators are being uh, quickly triggered um, through to that, that single note. 
So we're kind of like playing it monophonically. But it takes a little bit of a second to, to catch up. So kind of adjusting my finger pressure. If I'm playing with my tips of my fingers, it's all kind of sine waves. But if I flatten my fingers out, a bit of the wave shaping comes in where you hear more timbres. And I'm playing, I think, six notes right now, um, where if I just don't play four, um, it would play the same note for every oscillator. So I'll, I'll do that right now, let's play. Um, and I have, since I have these oscillators kind of spread out in the stereo field, um, you know, two are hard panned left and right, and then two are kind of side, mid side pan left and right. Um, they keep kind of showing up in those same sections, but once you add an odd, so if I go down to three, it's going uh, notes. Uh, they're going to start showing up in different sections because it's you know three notes uh, mixed up between four voices, and so it's going to kind of start cycling. So if you play a lot more notes. to jump around a bit. I've, um, I don't know, maybe it's a bit basic <laughs> to, uh, to want to have, um, kind of a polyphonic boucle, um, but it's definitely something that I've been excited about. Um, I probably mentioned many times on this show how, uh, you know, jealous or I don't know what the term is, um, but, uh, I'd love to get my hands on the, a 219, which, uh, basically took the polyphonic section, um, kind of the 264 in general, and put it into a keyboard um, that looks similar to like the, the 218. And um, and yeah, just to be able to play chords um, with, you know, without having to like uh, dial them up like on a sequencer and stuff like that um, is pretty, pretty fun. So uh, yeah, very excited with this thing. here with mark and chip with the mems project for the second time welcome, welcome back. back yeah, yeah. hello hey hello <laughs> here Thanks we go this it's is been a back. year been a year and a half wow really really yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah this is episode 24 wow 
two years. Yeah, I think you guys were like episode seven, I think, before. Um, wow. So, yeah, excited to have you guys back. And when we last spoke, so anybody that hasn't, it doesn't know you guys, go back and listen to episode seven. So, because we're just kind of going to get into it. Last time we talked, you were just dipping your toes into uh, 200 series land. And um, in preparation for the show, a an actual ship arrived at my house, a boat. <laughs> yeah. A boat of uncertainty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Glorious. You know, I, I saw the best feature about that boat today, by the way, there's a little rubber plug that covers the power out the power input. That's really, <laughs> it's pretty yeah. fancy. You're yeah. I was stoked on that. You were innovators. Yeah. So for definitely, <laughs> <laughs> for dust innovations <laughs> i mean in chip's defense he works he lives in a machine shop basically yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i live in a very dusty world here so yeah I, dust is definitely my enemy it's a pretty hefty boat too by the way yeah uh, but, <laughs> i was like i don't want to drop this on my foot no that the 266 is like a the weight of a brick that's yeah a, that's a big module exactly you could totally just like Full Metal Jacket style, put that in a tube sock and sit somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go to town on somebody. <laughs> Prison justice. Hold down somebody with a, a blanket and. Donofrio would Jeez. really be done. Sounds yeah, like you know yeah. a little bit too much about doing that. Well, you know, I ordered a code red. I ordered a code red a couple times when I was a Marine General. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> code red. <laughs> wow. Like the Mountain Dew drink. <laughs> yes, I ordered the Mountain <laughs> Dew for bread. Oh, oh, so, we're starting off. It's already in show. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> Everything derailed a little bit there. So we, we've we just uh, gone in, uh, in the way this episode is going out. We just kind of took a look at all four of those randoms. Tell me about the audio input on the... 165 the audio input is that there's uh no white noise source um okay uh normally it's directly on yeah the later ones it was it was included with the module um but the thing that's interesting about that is well if you have the right adapter you can send an audio signal into it too so you can make it a i was getting confused uh track and hold and sample and hold um gotta get those two oh, mixed okay. up but you can yeah. you can put whatever signal you want into it and derive random from it um originally it was connected in the back with a wire from the noise source um okay. i thought it was kind of more interesting to put the jack on the front so you could experiment with Ooh. uh you know voice or whatever you were deriving random from whatever audio signal you wanted to so that's cool. why that's on there. That was a an addition that I made. Gotcha. But it still spits out random without it. It does in a really weird way, though. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I mean, it's, it's randomized. Where is it from? Just there's a a transistor in there that's probably noisy, and it's that's just inherent to the the noise in the system. I really don't know. Magic. <laughs> what did you guys think of the click too how huh? you get a little love, rhythm section with that it. oh it is one love of the best the it's like having castanets or something in your oh, in your rig it, it was it's it, amazing 
it was cool when uh, it, the relays were going at basically one per second. So it was like a like a clock. And so it disappeared into the background. You know, I always thought it'd be interesting to put a, um, a preamp on there and uh, contact mics and glue them right to yeah. the relays. And, you know, in the future, I might do that as well. Because it is kind of, it is fun to get a rhythm section, especially if you have the 140 where you get the alternate out. So you already can get one on full time and then half time too. So it really starts sounding rhythmatic with the 140. Remind me what the 140 is. I'm sorry, the early pulser. The, yeah, the timing pulse oh, generator. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, from the 100 system. Yeah, you can really get some interesting syncopations going, you know, and it's, there's not a lot of like, rhythmic elements like drum sounds that you mm. can create in Bukla. And that's kind of a nice way to add like an acoustic drum sound to the system. Yeah. It's and those are uh, originally very expensive relays. They were for satellite, um, satellite and, communication uh, systems. Yeah. Satellite communications <laughs> and like missile control. Really? Know, yeah. Missile, yeah. <laughs> definitely, mil <laughs> definitely military surplus. I mean, originally that's how Mr. Bukla would have gotten them. Yeah. Hmm. They used to call them the, the official name is Crystal Relays. Blue Bead yeah. Crystal Relays. Yeah. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to say that, uh, you know, we just sort of jumped into chatting, but um, which is awesome, of course. But yesterday was the first time that Kyle has come over to my house to do a segment together since Thanksgiving 2019. Oh, because of COVID. Right. So we yeah. talked about spatchcocking turkeys and stuff the last time. <laughs> um, so that I thought that the, the boat of uncertainty, the anniversary of our first show is, you know, the, the next episode. So this is episode 24. And the modules were so crazy and you guys are crazy. And it was like, this is the perfect <laughs> way to get back to, you know, doing the segment. And so Kyle walked through it all, you know, and I got to learn about it. And it was it was so much fun messing with the relays and freaking out about the 264 and and being confused about stuff again. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know what these modules do all the time. Yeah, and, it is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a blast. So I wanted to first say thanks for loaning us the boat and for coming back. You know, it's so good to to hear well, from you. Our pleasure, again. I'm sure. I'm glad and, you guys uh, had fun with it. Great way to bring in year three for the show coming up um, and all the, the really fun things we get to do. Although I have a lot fewer modules for us to feature. I'm a little worried about that, but we'll, <laughs> we'll solve that another time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We spread it out like the boat of uncertainty over like five months, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're going to just this do the, the, one episode. Spend an hour one. on the 165. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is the boat. That's it. <laughs> Just the boat. Just the boat. Check this out is... this dust cap over. <laughs> yeah, this dust is cap on my on my Chinese power connector. It's really not that fancy, but I'm glad you like it. We'll, we'll do a, an entire segment about the blank panel on the on the 164 or 165 because yeah. it's only the, the lack of eighth of the of the panel is used, and then there's this huge swath of steel. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one of the coolest things from the 100 series is just how there's so much negative space on it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it like focuses you in a way too, like where, you know, usually you're used to seeing so many knobs and things like that. The negative space is almost like inspiring. It like strips you down a little bit and then like you get the simplicity that kind of drives creativity. You know, I could yeah. see why a lot of people really flourished on those, on the 100s when they first came out. Yeah, yeah, and, and easier to understand 
probably because yeah. they're the first thing of its kind, you know, instead yeah. of, you know, that compared to like a, a 266, you'd be like, wait, what? Like if that was the <laughs> first time you're dealing with modules. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. they were, I mean, literally filling a gap, but also, you know, conceptually filling a gap and Moog did this a similar thing you know, as he figured out what modules people needed like a ring modulator or a noise source I think the noise source is the, the one that's a, a, sing, a blank panel with a single quarter inch output and that's it wow. and um, oh, yeah. but that's what people needed a noise source so here's yeah. a module that does that and and I guess you have kind of almost unlimited cabinet space somehow um, but those, those yeah. 100, some of those 100 systems and even the early 200, they're giant, you know, yeah. so many modules that do one thing. And I love <laughs> yeah, it. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of funny. Compared to like 200E, where I'm looking at, you know, the 251E voltage source and like, holy man, there's so many screens and inputs and outputs and knobs and the rotary encoders because you're cycling through you know, a bunch of values. I mean, I love that. But when you compare that to the um, the original source of uncertainty in the 100, it's like, man, this is, we've come a long way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, it's amazing, too, because when you look at the 200 series, it's considered like Don's masterpiece. Like, that's what he, you know, when he finally had, like, this cohesive plan for a system. Um, he moved away from making modules look the same. I don't know if I mentioned this on the last time I was on here, but... Um, you know, he was doing a lot of work for RCA back before he was doing the Tape Music Center stuff. And he was working on like a laser guided cane, like an optical mm-hmm. guided cane for, wow. for the blind. And the main push for him to make all the panels different in the 200 and um, was for blind performers. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. I thought that was just wild, you know, that he actually had the idea. He was so thorough with like how he designed things. He was like, well... No one, not a lot of people sit there and go, like, well, what if a blind person wants to use it? You know, like yeah. he, he had the hindsight to, you know, the foresight, I should say, to design it that way. So you couldn't walk up to a panel and mistake like a, you know, one of the modules for another. Yeah. I think that's probably why the dual voltage adder didn't continue because it looks just like a 258. <laughs> oh, that's true. I was confused yeah. by that. You yeah. see it in a panel. That's the first thing I think. Yeah. That's um, it's Stony Brook. Um, there's a Darius Emigen's massive system there. Um, there's a dual voltage adder in the corner, and Chip always asks me. He's like, "Well, what do we need to see at Stony Brook again?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's the dual voltage adder," and he's like, "Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> not only is it the least exciting module, it's <laughs> it looks just like the two five eight, so we always forget it's in that picture, and it's rare, and- so we definitely have to see it someday." Yeah. Yeah. And that's what um that has a two sixty four yeah that system as well. And I yeah. I think that's like the only one I've really seen yeah. one in. Uh, you know, um that was where we thought we were gonna see the two six four was when we got to Stony Brook, which we were supposed to do last year, but you know, everybody knows what happened. <laughs> yeah. But it was kind of a, a huge surprise because we ended up getting um in touch with Tom Rollins from chemical brothers. And he decided um, he was going to help us take some just preliminary photos of the modules and things like that. So, um, yeah. Oh, and I've always been a huge chemical brothers fan. So like, this was like 
<laughs> wish fulfillment, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so he, he's sending us pictures and Chip sends me an email and it's just like a picture of the 264. I'm like, what in the world? I thought I was in the twilight zone. It was like, I did not expect to see this thing now. Yeah. You know, it was just out of the blue. What was, um, was there anything kind of, I mean, yeah, there, there can, couldn't have been too many. Was it, um, was it easy to see like the, um, transition from, cause there, was there a sample and hold in the 100 system? Yeah. The, um, what's the number, the one that you've got the, the, uh, random. With oh, the, uh, yeah. Well, okay, yeah. I guess that is yeah. a sample and hold. Yeah, that's that's considered. Yeah, that's yeah. like the sample and hold from the one hundreds. I'm wondering um, if like this was the first thing in the system that he called a sample and hold instead of just random. I think it's the first thing he used the term sample and hold on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he was his main convention was just trying to get away from whatever Moog or you know ARP or whoever else was making synthesizers at the time. You know, he was trying to yeah. get away from that naming convention. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think other than I think that one, I think CalArts had one, mm-hmm. um, which I wasn't aware of. I wonder if like, because um, we talked to Barry Schrader. I don't think I don't remember oh, him cool. bringing that one up. But, um, but Peter Grenader like mentioned that they had they had one there. So it's yeah, it's it's a fun module. Yeah, it's it's weird because I feel like a lot of these modules around this transitional time, they were evolving as fast as the keyboards were evolving. So like mm-hmm. if you look at the 264, it's got the four pulse inputs. Well, on the 217, you've got the four pulse outputs on the left side. So he kind of designed the 217 and the 264 to work together as like a cohesive unit. Yeah. Um. And then as the keyboards evolved, as he got into the 218, 219, you know, 221. And the um, 230s, too. Like, yeah. Yeah, the 230, uh, the 236 and the 238 both have the polyphonic module, or at least part of it, built yeah. in. So he went in that direction. And I think, what I, from how I understand it, from just looking at the systems, I think he started moving more towards the computer control than the... 218 to 21, you know, that was like his mm-hmm. standard for keyboards at that time. Mm-hmm. So he kind of looked at, he said, he came up with that. And then he was like, eh, you know, I really don't need this polyphonic module. I don't need these other keyboards. The 217 was like obsoleted pretty fast. Yeah. And that's another one we do have done is 217. We just have to get one built. Yeah. And, uh, How, yeah. <laughs> it's How are you feeling about that one? Not good. <laughs> well, the, the the big thing is is that I'm I'm going to have to um, be the one that contacts China and figures out how to get the PC boards made. the mm-hmm. the The boards are way too big, and mm-hmm. they're bigger than the house that we use can do. Or you have to oh. I have to contact them. It's they're twenty one and a half inches long, so it's a massive. It's a huge board, and there's huge. three of them yeah. that, that are that big. So. Oh, it's a stack of three. Yeah, the well, it's, you got the keyboard that gets bolted to the top and then um, there's two boards underneath. There's like the massive board and then there's a small one that does like all the drivers for the LEDs and stuff like that. And then the entire thing's panel wired so it's a nightmare to wire to. Yeah. So, But we have it done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least in theory. 
Yeah. <laughs> that we've got that we got from University of Illinois, which was Yeah, when did you when was that now? Was that about a year ago? Was that last summer, wasn't it? End of last, last summer. summer. It was August, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And time just kind of blurs together and Right. I couldn't remember <laughs> if it was I mean, I'm like, well, it had to be yeah, in the middle of COVID, because I think I remember some shots with you guys with masks on or something there. So. Oh, yeah, definitely wore yeah. masks the whole time. Yeah. Tell, yeah, tell us about that trip and how that came about. Oh, it's Where do I start? This is one of the craziest Buchla stories. It was definitely an adventure. <laughs> oh, this is uh, an interesting Buckle story. Buckle up. This is a real <laughs> whirlwind adventure tour. So we, we needed somewhere to go, and um, Eli Fieldsteel, who's the new director of the Experimental Music Studios, um, at University of Illinois, he contacted us and they had an old 200 series sitting there um, mm-hmm. that was basically just covered in plastic. Like it almost seemed like they were afraid to turn it on, which yeah. I think that's what it was. It was just they wanted someone else to turn it on. So they didn't. Yeah, they wanted to. us to burn it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good place so, to blame elsewhere. <laughs> well, they, they loved the idea of us coming down because I think Eli's standpoint was why not? You know, nobody's here. This is like actually a really good time. It was perfect. Like, actually, it was, it was perfect. You know, we'll give you guys like full reign of the whole studio. Awesome. So we drive out there. Um, well, actually I met chip there. He drove down. Uh, we met in, uh, doesn't even really matter, but we met near Cleveland and, uh, drove over and, uh, we get there, scope out the place, go back the next day and, uh, gain access. Well, Eli was telling us just in passing as we were walking in, Oh yeah, you know, just want to let you guys know that at the end of the week they're shutting the power off temporarily. We're like, okay, yeah, that's not going to stop us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll come around to that at the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we get in there and we find this beautiful system, beautiful cabinet. Um, we learned very quickly how horrible it is to take apart one of those curved cabinets. Oh jeez. Um, yeah, so this is the big. Did it? Does it have like the electric music box? Yeah, yes. lights out and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh. It has a little marquee at the top. Um, so was we're it, looking at. Is it a ten wide or, or was it seven or something? Is it something? I want to say it was five to seven. I I really don't remember offhand. I've got photos of it, but yeah. uh, it, it was it was a decent size. It was one of the smaller cabinets from what I've seen. But yeah. um, first, we initially thought we had to take the front facing plates off. Like you see those blue strips of uh, metal that go between the modules. Yeah, we initially thought we had to pull them off, but they're actually held up, held from behind with wing nuts. So the modules are actually pressed forward against the uh, the oh. frame. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The reason Don did this, and I've heard that uh, he did this because he was didn't want the modules to be able to be stolen easily. <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> which I totally understand. Like you could in any other system, you could just unscrew a module and pull it out, like on the one hundred. Mm-hmm. Um this one, it took me and Chip. I had to hold the modules up while he removed the wing nuts and then somehow juggle five or six modules in your hands oh, as they fell God. out the back of the system. <laughs> so So we finally we, got, we finally figured out the the real way to do it is to flip it forward on its face and then have to put them in from behind but it just seems counterintuitive to get this beautiful old historic wood cabinet and throw it down on its face and <laughs> right but yeah. that's the only way to put it back together but I'm sorry they, I kind of got to the end of the story sorry 
<laughs> no, that's all right. We 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 had it was great because the recording studio had these massive beanbag chairs, so we used one of those. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of pushed it over, kind of sl- gently put it face down. We got the marquee to light up because the light was all wonky. So we mm. got that thing to light up. Most important thing is to make sure that the cool old uh, yeah. marquee lights <laughs> up because it doesn't work right without that cool light. <laughs> no. So, so um, initially um, there were two 295s in there and someone had removed them from the system and put them in like a rack mount unit that was made to fit in just a regular 19-inch rack. So we had to drill out the... We drilled out the... Um, someone had uh, actually... I don't know if they used... Um, Rivets? Do they use rivets? I think they use rivets. Yeah, it was rivets. We had to drill those out and then remove those modules and get them back in the system. But we were taking trips. I mean, like the best camera, the best photography studio you can ever have is outside, you know, Mm -hmm. especially if it's overcast, it's beautiful. So um, we took each module down in the elevator and uh, took pictures outside in the courtyard with these (laughs) modules. So it was kind of funny, like passing other faculty members with like Buchla modules, getting on the elevator and just taking an elevator <laughs> for each each individual module. Finding and, a yeah, a nice patch of ivy that you can uh, use as a, a backdrop. Uh, and you've seen, you've seen the pictures. <laughs> the picture that Chip yells at me about because it's like, yeah. use it. <laughs> yeah, when I go to wire it, I see all these art photos of uh, Buchla modules. I want content, not like pretty. Plants in the picture, please. <laughs> Chip, that is the content. People come for the plants. I have well, 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 so if, when you try wiring one of these nightmare it. devices, then yeah. is that a wire? Or is that a piece of plant? <laughs> is that vegetation? Or yeah, vegetation, that or is that a wire that goes to there? We, there was a point in time where I, we were both outside. We had eaten lunch. We were we had the two seventeen. We had a few modules with us. Yeah, and we were propping the door open with a with a paper a box of paper. You know, mm-hmm. box some of books, guy actually box of books. Some guy comes out and he shuts the door. Well, Chip's screaming, no, 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 no! Door slams, and the guy comes back out and he starts yelling at us like we're kids. You know, like we don't we don't do that here. Yeah, we don't do that here. <laughs> I think he's they'll put an expletive in there too. Yeah, he was. He it wasn't was, too happy. He was cursing at us. He was cursing yeah. us. But I wonder if he realized that we were sitting outside of the college now with cars driving by. I was about us, ready you know? just to leave with those modules. Just be like, I don't know. I guess they. <laughs> guess we can't get back in. Kick this out. <laughs> yeah. See ya. Guess that we have a two seventeen. Yeah. Guess that's how they do it there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we had to get uh, Eli back to let us in, but that was just a funny part of the story. We get uh, so. We're working on this thing day and we went back for the second day and um, oh, that was another cool thing. We Chip, of course, asked Eli if we could see the basement, you know, because they always have sort of. Well, no, 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 you're you're jumping ahead here. The there was a 270, the microphone preamp. Yeah, we're all excited about that rather rare one. And we get it out, you know, and gingerly take it out of the case and drop it out on, you know, all those modules out in that row. And uh, we open it up. And it's a perf board, and somebody's DIY microphone preamps in there. The board's gone. Oh, yeah. whoa. Not, not ideal. Um, so then we're like, 
this PC board, they didn't throw it away. It's somewhere. There was an electronics room that was full of amazing old stuff, like a workshop. Mm-hmm. And it had like an ARP 2600 just kind of propping up the, the door open. And it was... So we dug everywhere through that entire room trying to find this PC board. And I was like, it's in the basement. I know it's in the basement. So, all right, Mark, I'm going to pass the mic back to you. And you can go back back on with your story. So we... we uh... Oh, and another thing too is when we were in one of the studios, we re- we realized there's an electrocomp controller built into the desk. Just cool so, old '80s, like like very '80s looking. At a um, what is it? Made, the Roland um, System 100 or 100, whatever, yeah. 100 module, mm-hmm. and then it had a um, an EML controller that was built right into the table. And we're like, ooh, that means there's an EML here somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, so and we go in the basement with Eli and. Um, we're just looking around with flashlights. It was amazing. It was like out of a movie or something. I felt like I was in like it's like the, X, the last X Files synthesizer <laughs> edition. It was like the last five minutes of Indiana Jones. You know, like when they're <laughs> we're just looking around, and all of a sudden we find the EML two hundred, all wrapped in plastic from God knows when. You know, it was like a mummy. Yeah, <laughs> going back like, to Indiana. No, you're going back to your Indiana Jones analogy. It's like you found a mummy, <laughs> and then I had to get a bag of sand and very like quickly <laughs> put it on this pedestal and remove it. Remove the idol. And these, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and these giant like boulders came down from the ceiling. And we had to run out. That really happened. Yeah, it really happened. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So we get this up there. We got that working, which was which was great. I mean. Eli was just like tickled pink about it. We got, we put it back in the studio with the controller. Um, someone had drilled holes in all the potentiometers to try to clean them. So <laughs> they, it's, that doesn't seem like standard. No, they, they were sealed pots and they drilled a hole in the back of each one to blast air in them. But you start huh. introducing all sorts of other contaminants into the potentiometers and get, they get all scratchy. So we did our best bringing that back, but yeah, now the students are jamming on that thing and they can actually use it for composition, which is kind of cool. That's awesome. So it's like a chip was so excited about the EML. Like we were both taking pictures of both things. Like he was in there taking pictures of the electrocomp. I'm taking apart a couple modules here and there. It was like a, we really did a lot of teamwork on there. And boy, and if you want to hear about long days, we can really, look at those things for a long time <laughs> it'd be like 14 hour days he'd be like i feel kind of tired it's like oh, i have every right to be tired yeah, yeah. it's just crazy we um well i asked eli if he had any schematics because usually when the systems are sold to the colleges they have schematic books and stuff like that mm-hmm. um so he presents me a envelope with and then a binder with hundreds and hundreds of pages from uh, oberlin conservatory so a lot of the Xeroxes that you see on the internet of the Buchla schematics are just copies of these schematics. It was kind of a weird thing. Hmm. So I ran over to the scanner and I scanned the pages one by one by one because they were all oddly sized and some were handwritten and pages kind of taped to other pages. So I had to really turn into an archivalist and scan all these things. Um, yeah. And what was amazing was that... Um, the previous director um, had saved all of the service notes on the Buchla. 
So anything that they ever fixed, they had documented, which was huge. Oh, wow. So, so we, like, oh, yeah, doesn't this have kind of like um, start off from like student complaints or like such and such is not working? And then, yeah, um, what's amazing about some of them is that you can see how wild the Buchla is in terms of some of the in inconsistencies in operation. Students would complain about certain things and like <laughs> they would write, no, this is operating fine. And like the students would just think it wasn't because <laughs> <laughs> it's doing something wild, you know? Yeah. But we found out very quickly that a lot of these modules, um, they weren't perfect, you know, like you'd have the 284 and the rise and fall of each envelope was wildly different. You'd have one that would uh, decay and three seconds one would decay in five seconds you know oh yeah like nothing actually really reached 10 seconds right, right? as it says on the panel and... yeah and uh the 292b we were testing the 292b and every single gate that we opened was a different sounding or it had a different attack different decay mm -hmm. um and you could tell that someone went nuts trying to audition different factorals which i find amazing that someone back then was if if they had uh, a forum back then for them to ask <laughs> which factorals the best for this right. they would have been in it because <laughs> they put sockets in and they were swapping factorals out wow. <laughs> yeah little did he know that that would still be going on today right <laughs> it's pretty cool so did you try so did you get the guts of the 270 no it is somewhere Lost who knows time. where yeah we kind of find found the eml and then just found our prize <laughs> yeah you got out of there the whole boulder thing happened we're like and, yeah, yeah we're gonna go back and look again <laughs> there was a lives. lot of, there was a lot of stuff in there it was yeah. boxes and boxes and boxes of history in there so we That's definitely so cool need that. to go through it and it was kind of like you could tell you know it's her it, it was also our last day there in that and eh, we didn't find it right away. We were in there for a half hour. We found a treasure. Let's go look at the treasure. Time to get to work. Yeah. We can come back and look another time. And I'm really glad that we stopped looking in that when we did, because the last day was like probably the craziest thing that I've ever had to do. <laughs> so go on with the story. What happened? What, what crazy thing happened, Mark? So I'm uh, upstairs and I'm taking modules apart, you know, taking some pictures and Chip went outside to get some coffee at the cafe next door. And he's out there talking to one of the, uh, the, uh, someone that works in the building. Maintenance too. guy. Kind Maintenance of like guy, tech, tech yeah. guy. And, um, he's like, so when are you guys gonna be done with that? He started, he started with, you got, you seem pretty chilled out. So you're all done with your work. I'm like, no, I'm just taking a break. And back to you, Mark. What happened? <laughs> so, so from my, from, well, from my standpoint, I see Chip running back to the building, waving his arms, going, Mark, 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 Mark. It's going to blow. It is. <laughs> well, we found out that they weren't just shutting the power off temporarily. They were installing a brand new substation, so the power is going to be out the entire weekend. We were told an hour or two, which we thought, like, oh, we'll go get dinner and walk yeah. around for two hours and come back, and the power will be back on. So Eli told us, he's like, you guys can stay. You just won't have any power. We're like, all right. And he's like, are you guys okay with that? We're like, yeah, we're fine. So we had headlamps on. Um, <laughs> Did you bring headlamps with? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. We we're, brought a bunch of lights actually for, um, <laughs> if we didn't, we didn't know if we could take the modules outside. 
Okay. So yeah, we didn't right. know yeah. if that was cool or not. So we brought plenty of battery operated lights, but not an infinite amount of power's worth. You know, like we didn't think that right. you would need to leave them on for two hours because <laughs> that whole cabinet that is very tricky to put back together was all in pieces. So um, the best part of this story, when the power was about to go on, Eli came in, he was hanging out with us and he's kind of just kicking back in one of the beanbag chairs, just talking to us. And I'm behind the, the cabinet and I'm trying to wire up the 295s back to the initial supply, which is a disaster <laughs> because the initial supply, I don't know how these systems worked it was... this long on these horribly designed 24 volt boards. Like it the was board was pitch black. black. It was black. Oh, God. <laughs> it was so hot that it had changed the color of the board. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm sitting there and I'm wiring and I go, hey, Eli, did they tell you when the building power is going to go out? No. And all of a sudden, click, everything goes out. It was like, <laughs> and, and we thought there was going to be like emergency lights, like, you know, something like that. Nothing. Pitch blackness. And uh, I hear Chip yelling in the other studio. <laughs> I got flashlights. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when we started strapping up in the gear and put that whole system together and yeah. uh i told eli just you know when you guys get back and the building has power just let me know if everything works and sure enough everything was working perfectly so sweet i guess we did I, a good job <laughs> did they go back did they have students back in do you know like have people um, been using it and stuff or? not sure i'm not sure gotcha. um he does want us back there for further work on some other equipment, and he wants us to do some lectures there, which we're gonna more than happy happily do for him. So but, the story, uh, we... so the story for that day is not actually complete. So, <laughs> oh. all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over it again. So we we got there in the morning. We found we looked for the 270. We found the EML 200, amazing. Then we worked all day. Then the power got shut out shut off on us. So now we had to put it back together in the dark. So then we're done for the day. We go get dinner and we go back to the hotel and go to our respective rooms and say good night. And then at and then Mark always has to pick the most seedious like hotel that you can think of. I think he looked up for like greasy hotel, uh Champaign, Illinois. We stayed at the um Red, Red Roof Inn. Well, I go to sleep in the middle of the night. I at th around three o'clock in the morning, I wake up standing up. Like I jumped out of bed, like a, some wild animal. Like, like I sense danger and my brain sensed the danger. And I jumped up out of bed. I woke up like, what the hell is going on? And right then I felt the whole building rock. And I went, what the heck? And I looked out the window and under and looked down and a car had driven through our hotel. <laughs> Whoa! So, and, and Mark, all Mark heard heard is the woman go, "My wrist, my wrist! I broke my wrist." <laughs> and I think I just mumbled, "Like, don't these people sleep?" <laughs> I, I just thought someone was so, just like outside just making noise. wow. <laughs> so that was, slept that, right through. So that was a very interesting day of uh, doing bukla research. <laughs> I like how prepared you were. Were you a uh, uh, Boy Scout? Me, Chip. Yeah, no. You're so prepared with all those lights and stuff. Like I'm just a gadget freak. I'm not a Boy Scout. <laughs> I just like high tech gadgets. Right. <laughs> Plus, a lot of what I do is um, 
for day work is I have to go out and work in dark spots all the time. So headlights and mm-hmm. going out there and uh, I do electrical work and I'm always getting into sp- pl- situations where I have to turn out the lights to work. So it's not that uncommon for me. Okay. Second so, nature. Uh, yeah, I'm prepared. Um, Wild. Yeah, so that was a good day. <laughs> it was a good day. It was very interesting. So what... Um... Yeah, you would. So, yeah, how far along are you in the 200 system now as far as like getting everything you need? Oh, we haven't really looked at this in a long time, but we're close. We're close to the end. Yeah. Um, we we kind of jump around in a nonlinear fashion. Mm-hmm. And some some of the stuff that we find is like another variant of an older module we've already looked at. That's, so that's one of the problems is there's multiples for a lot of them. So. Yeah, like we did the 208 um, from 73. And then we also did the 208 from 75. So we have two oh. different 208s to work with. And it's really funny because people ask me, like, are you guys doing a 208? And it's like, which one? Yeah. They go, what? <laughs> they go, what? Yeah. No, yeah. So the, <laughs> an interesting thing about the 1975 version is the 73 version is actually more high tech quote unquote than the 75 because it had um the ability to be co- computer controlled and then they got yeah. rid of all yeah. that on 75 so a lot of the cards are a lot simpler yeah it has a different wave folder so the wave folder is wildly different than the 73 and That's- it also doesn't use temperature controlled um uh tracking yeah. like you know it doesn't use those very rare in the mod um, oscillator in the complex oscillator it's mm-hmm. that doesn't right. have the the really rare the ua726 transistor dual heated transistor okay. so does that mean it's not going to stay in tune whatsoever or um just, that it has, a, it has a temp a, a tempco in it so the tempco helps with uh, for okay. the linearity so it it right. should be fine it's going to be in a hot box i mean yeah i don't mm-hmm. know if you maybe if you're running around in in the winter time you go from inside your house to outside really quick it might flip it out but it should be fine i mean you got you guys don't do that no no yeah no okay go snowboarding with my my easel yeah <laughs> um did so like computer controlled like through the program card slot or something like that was that how you'd access that Huh, good, um, good question. On the 73. That's a good question. Yeah. There's a lot of missing pieces with the 300 control. Um, some stuff it's questionable whether or not it actually was done. Um, mm-hmm. I know, like for instance, the 292C, there's not a lot of documentation on how that was computer controlled. Um, mm-hmm. And then same with the 208. Um, there's methods to control it with the computer, but a lot of times what they needed was a separate board that would go with the module. Um, like 259 had a 359 card that would mount in the case that would actually translate the um, okay. the CV from the 259 to the digital signals. Um, the 221 has a Intel input-output port chip on it um, that converts all the CV to 8-bit computer signals. So the 221 is actually designed to hook up directly to the, the 300 series, whereas all the other modules need some sort of communicator, basically. Okay. Um, Mark, you should use the name of the modules more. It's the kinetic uh, import, input port. 
the two two ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's right off doing the numbers like everybody you're talking to me and not everybody remembers the numbers for everything. Yeah, and I and I get a message like every after every episode, can you please say the names of the modules? When yeah, you say that's the why I was bring it up and it's like how we talk to each other. It's not everybody remembers what two two one is. Right. The well, the 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 kinesthetic input port. I know it's called the kinetic. It's not right. <laughs> it's technically it's it's still the same. Yeah. But <laughs> it's funny how they name that because um a lot of people say it's kind of a goofy way to say it's a keyboard that you can wiggle around. But yeah. it really does have an Intel input output port IC on there. And that's what does all the computer control translation. So it was the name of the module actually is kind of rooted in reality. It's not just Don being tongue in cheek. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't, I mean, he usually puts it up on front street of what it's going to do or, right. you know, maybe not in the same way that you would, you know, initially think of how to say that, but yeah. Right. Um, how you've done a little bit of work with kind of digging into the 300 stuff, right? Like just 300 yeah. is going to have to be after COVID because we're going to have to cross a border to, to see a 300, but right. So mm -hmm. whenever the borders open back up, we have to go to Canada. Um, yeah. Just gotcha. one. Um, right. and then we'll know more. Um, I, th I believe it's OCAD has a, um, has the remnants of a 300 series system. Um, mm. question of whether or not they have the actual computer. It's probably either in the basement I was somewhere. Say or, another basement hunt. <laughs> another, or they threw it out. You know, you never know. Some of these schools just toss stuff. You know, people don't know what it does. Or we can think it's priceless now, but at some time it was just some old junk that people had kicking around. And ooh, we have a DX7 yeah. that does even more stuff. Ooh, we'll mm -hmm. keep, you know, that's amazing. Get rid of yeah. this old thing, but yeah, it could have been thrown yeah. away for all we know. Right. It. It's a. Uh, there's a lot of missing pieces with the 300 in terms of how it operated and what connections you need and some of the cards too that Don made for the computer. Mm -hmm. But we're hoping we get more insight on that. We're actually, uh, um, OCAD has that system up there that they call a 200 series and they say it functions parts of the functioning, like let's say the tutu on the, the input port, just the joystick works, but nothing else does. Yeah. Which was now, the same with EMSs. Right. Which on the 221, you can actually internally patch them to be computer control or just standalone. So I always mm. wonder if they have a 300 series keyboard that's wired up internally to operate as a 300 series keyboard only, you know? So they yeah. can have a fully working module there that they don't realize, you know, they just need to change a few jumpers to get to work. They could do it. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if yeah, I wonder if it's the same at at EMS. EMS. Yeah, because we did get the wiggle to to work. Um, that was cool to kind of experience. But then also like the the preset voltage setup on it um, with the four different outputs um, was kind of working. And then one morning when I booted it up, it just was randomly jumping around between. Yeah. The four of them. It has, that yeah. is, that it is what, I made right. the most of it, but no, yeah. I was like, well, let's record that and call it call it a win. Um, but um, 
Yeah, there's um, someone I know that actually went to OCAD, and uh, he was saying that for most of his compositions he did when he was at the school, he just used the joystick. <laughs> he said, anytime you hear pitch changing, that's me just moving the joystick around. <laughs> and it's it's kind of wild that someone loved the Buchla so much that they're like, I am i don't care if it's all broken. I'm still going to figure out a way to to make this make sound. Make and, it work. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So there's a lot to the 300, the uh, initial code that runs the software. Um, we've actually been talking to Lynx Crow, the original programmer of the of Patch 4. So yeah, he, he has the original computer that he wrote the software on in a storage unit. So um, hopefully we get to know him a little bit more and he has us out there to go on a storage go, wars yeah. with him. <laughs> throw, yeah, throw on the headlamps again. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, who knows what else he has? He could have other software that they never released or, you know, copies of patch three, which is even harder to find. Yeah. So some of the early, what are those Oberheim, those Buchla Oberheim things that he worked on? Yeah. That, that whole story. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy to think about. Um, and he always, whenever I talk to him through email, he always says, you'll have to forgive me. The time that you're referring to is long ago and far away. <laughs> wow. I love I love that. For some reason, I love that sentence. It's just brilliant. <laughs> far away. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully things are going to, like like Chip was saying, once things get slowly back to normal, um, we'll be taking more trips because we were supposed to go to Stony Brook. We were supposed to go... Um, to uh oberlin which mm -hmm. they're oberlin's telling us not until next year hope you know hopefully well we're supposed know, to touch bases with them in october which sounds a little bit promising right okay. i mean that's dodeca yeah. so that'd be a really yeah. fun one to look at is 212 yeah oh cool um, yeah the dodeca has eluded a lot of people i mean like the clones that exist of it are just really just approximations of what hodgepodge of yeah do. yeah so and that brings us back to this idea that the offerings that we see out there a lot of them are missing either components or there's like a lot of bridges being built bypasses you know mm -hmm. to to get people around the idea that well maybe we don't really know what this sounds like, but nobody has to know that. <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's kind of works. Yeah. Kind of works. Yeah. Looks right. Like it's yeah. It's, it's like, I'm yeah. I adjust this knob and I would assume that's what would, would happen. I will. I mean, I think like the, uh, you guys went on an odyssey with the, um, with the signal delay, the 277. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, uh, you know, for everybody that knows that one or has one in their system, that's based off of the the Roman clone, um, is wildly different from what it actually was in in real life. And most were done on like perfboard and stuff too, right? Um, the early one was, yeah, the the initial one, but Don changed the shift registers to a different one at, the, at on the second revision, and then they were actually boards like made. Okay. Um. We saw the one from Tom because Tom, um, Chemical Brothers Tom has one and gotcha. um, he has it in a separate case because apparently it doesn't work all the time, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, we, which we found out from Dave Brown when he helped us um, get ours going um, that the thing really isn't designed in a way that's, you know, 
logical. It's just a really strange design. Um, <laughs> the shift register board was the idea behind having a series of shift registers to make memory. It's been around for, you know, a decade before Don even did it. It was mainly used in computers, you know, back then, those large refrigerator sized computers. Yeah. Um, in fact, um, that used to be, those used to be used in like video still, uh, to get video stills from like video footage, video grabbers, like the first ones from like the early seventies. Yeah. They, um, they would have an entire bank of them, like basically like a refrigerator sized box of these cards with shift registers on them. And then they could grab a still from any video and hold it in memory for as long as they want. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, it's just amazing. So he took this idea. Well, why don't we just feed audio through it and we'll get like a delay. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't the only one doing this at the time. He was one of the earliest, that's for sure. But um, it was um, a couple companies were getting into like shift register delays at the time. Um, Eventide was making the digital delay module, which he they um, released at NAM that year. So he took some from that, you know, some, he took some <laughs> influence from that. But if you look at the boards, they're identical. It's like, whoa. Yeah. This is kind of weird. Like the, the Eventide board looks just like the Wukla board. Um, I don't know who's copying who or if it's a coincidence, but mm-hmm. um, the, the problem with Don's design, I shouldn't say problem because it's kind of an interesting problem, but uh, Don's design does not have a digital to analog converter at the end. So what you're hearing on all the repeats are just the digital representations of the sound. One, so, it's one bit too. One bit. It's not eight yeah. bit, but one bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> High so, or low. It's bi- you're hearing binary basically. Right. So you, ba- you basically hear just the square wave. No matter what signal you put in, you're just hearing a square wave output on those delays. So it's weird. So it, has a, it just does not take any t- timbral influence from what you're putting into it. Right. Right. You really and there and every delay, every output you get from the delay is full amplitude. So there's no decay. Um, it's very strange. Oh. Even if you like then you kind of attenuate it with the knobs a little bit. Okay. But there is a very unstable it's a very unstable system. So it's very easy to patch it to a point where the thing just falls apart. Like it'll it'll just turn into just nothing but garbage. Um digital distortion, basically. Yeah. Um it's like you really have to like fine tune it. Um, of course, there's other things that we're looking into with the delays is like maybe modernizing it in a sense where we could put different shift registers in um, more modern ones because the ones we found are like impossible to find. They used them back in like the old Apple II days, you know, like they're and pretty that, much. And that's obsolete. what people want them for is for Apple II. So there's kind of a. Yeah. Yeah, a, a niche market, after, a niche so. market forum, and people are actually, yeah, want to. We'll pay big money because they need like two of them, right? Well, we need forty-eight <laughs> of them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for one module. For, for one, one module. module, yeah. So, yeah, Jeez. yeah, yeah. That's one that like would be a difficult one to offer to anyone, even if we were to offer it, because y- you get this module that like you can't really build until you find chips for it. So mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like how Moog had the the MF-104 with the bucket brigade chips like that. Oh, we made a run of this many pedals because that's all we could find in terms of BBD chips. Yeah. Or like the surge <laughs> wad with the sad chips, like where they stopped yeah. making it because you can't get those ICs anymore. Right. 
Um, yeah, just like lost to technological time. Yep. Yeah. You know, things advance and those shift registers were, were coming out and hitting the market at the crest of like the computer boom. So the second those things were hitting the market, they were already obsolete. Like Intel just stopped making them. Mm. So yeah, they were, it's just weird. It's like, and there's no equivalent for them. You know, there really is no other option. Either use those or you don't, or you redesign it to use something else. And that comes to one of the things that we have to do is make IC and transistor replacements where some of the things that Don used just don't exist on the planet Earth, Earth anymore. You just mm-hmm. cannot, it doesn't even matter if you want to spend $100 on a one IC, you just can't find it. And, you know, there's nothing we yeah. can do except to replicate it. You know, and that's what one of the things we did for, say, our version of 296 is I could find the um, the VC. Wait, wait, what, what, what's the full name of that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gabby, yeah. the programmable spectral processor. <laughs> oh, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's Mr. Programmable Spectral Processor to you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm the one that called out Mark on that too. My bad. Um, but I could find there's a VCA chips in there. Um, in SSM 2020. Yeah, and I found some in France, and they were a hundred euros each, and we needed eight of them, so eight hundred dollars for, Oof. or eight hundred euros. Like I don't know what that is, like a thousand bucks plus shipping. Yeah. yeah, or we could put a modern VCA chip in there. So that's what and we that's, ended up yeah. doing is making a replacement IC, and our two nine six sounds very nice. So I'm not yeah. mad about that. Right. Yeah, I'm excited to hear that. There's like, there's certain things where, uh, certain modules where, I'm kind of in that more um, audio processing realm of like the Roman-based clones. Um, that yeah, I, I've been able to use a couple. Like when I was at EMS, some of the real ones. Like I got a Roman two ninety six in the last six months or something like that and it's like oh yeah it's definitely not as sweet sounding as as the original it kind of just it distorts stuff like on the I'll input. tell you what my my Roman version of the 296 is just distorts I don't know it's yeah. something's not right with it I don't yeah. know what it is and I'm done trying to figure it out so, <laughs> so if anybody well, wants to buy a project module I have a 296 uh, spectral <laughs> processor R version for sale <laughs> cheap cuz his yeah it's awful Yeah it, you know what there's multiple things that could be wrong with those and some a lot of the th- things that I see is when boards are sent out to be flowed like surface mount boards the mm-hmm. It depends on where he got them made, but a lot of them have cold joints. So like one of the chips might just have like a bad solder joint somewhere. Um, another thing too, is that the inputs and outputs of the VCA chips, when he designed them, they're just very, uh, I don't know. He's got the signal too hot or something, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, it just wants to clip like so easily. Yeah. And what you end up hearing is when you scan through the programs, if you're doing the program output, you can actually hear like a scratchy kind of sound as it transitions. Yeah. Yeah. You're really just hearing like the shelf of like the signal to noise ratio across all these filters getting scanned. So it's just because he's got way too hot of a signal going in and out of them. I've built two uh, and one of them was perfect. And the other one is just a nightmare. 
I don't know. Yeah. But it's, mm. it's, I've gone over it so many times that it's not an error on my part. There's something inherently wrong with the stuff I bought. Yeah. And, and before, before we started doing this stuff, no one really could say like, well, that's not what it sounds like. You know, you, you just have people saying, oh, it was the original was noisy. And then they, they're happy with that. They're satisfied with that. Yeah, which like in this instance where I was lucky enough to try a real one, it's like, well, no, like because I've always kind of I've always, you know, being a clone user and stuff, I'm like probably I'm getting 75 percent of the way there with the audio stuff, with the CV stuff, you know, like maybe closer to like 90 percent or something, because um, like when I used like the 259s at EMS, which are all original it's like everything functioned and sounded like i wasn't totally i didn't have mine to ab it against but it was like okay yeah it's doing everything that mine did at home like it didn't it didn't feel off or anything like that and same with like you know using like a um the 266 there it's just everything or the 281 everything kind of worked as i would expect but it was that and then the also like the 291s that i've tried um of the roman clones are kind of wildly different from one to another some can be kind of very a lot of that's uh selection of the components that that is as a builder you need to audition components or select them for specific tolerances and that's going to affect the overall sound especially with like 259 like the the timbre if you don't select that the fet for that it just doesn't sound sweet right yeah you know, some people also from a DIY standpoint, they um, they look at DIY as like a paint by numbers, which mm-hmm. that works for some things. If, if you had something that was designed perfectly to work perfectly every time, then if you paint by numbers and you fill all the components the way that, you know, they, they give them to present them to you, like it'll work great. But when you have one of Don Buchla's designs, which <laughs> it's like on another planet, basically, <laughs> Um, you just can't do that. You have to like realize like, oh, well, you know, I might have to audition this part because, you know, it's, it's working out of spec. So I might have to try a few different ones in here, you know, Mm -hmm. anyone who's built a sequencer card on an easel, like knows how much of a headache they are. You know, it's like, (laughs) oh, cow, it took me forever. It took me like a few days just to get like the sequencer to get past step two. You know, <laughs> and it's me just, too. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, and oh, I got to put decoupling capacitors on it for the uh, logic. Well, Don doesn't put that in the schematic because he thinks that you already know that, you know, he's like, oh, mm-hmm. well, that's just mm-hmm. what you do. So when you have someone copying a schematic, they're copying these these errors, you know, quote unquote. They're not. Um, There's extra realizing. stuff. Um, if you look at the actual real bukla modules there's there's stuff on the the pc boards that isn't denoted in the schematics is basically the problem right um and that's the stuff we find and yeah include what's amazing i think when we're working with dave brown who's been a huge help um he's one of our associates in the project and he's been he was looking at the 296 i believe and chip can correct me if i'm wrong but he was actually surprised to find that there were decoupling capacitors on the board already because <laughs> he's oh. like i already i add these because i feel like they help you know i didn't realize the original had them you know yeah yeah 
we're like, yeah, it's it's weird. It's one of those things. I, yeah, I guess it's just like the game of telephone and stuff will get lost along yeah. the way. And right. it depends on what you're working from or starting from scratch. Is there anything you guys are like super looking forward to? I mean, I think the 217, I mean, that sounds daunting, but I think that will be a pretty amazing the eeg the 276 the eeg seems really interesting yeah the um rosenboom's module brain control of bukla that'd be amazing yeah (laughs) 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 we're gonna come on next time and not have anything to talk about it's gonna be great yeah (laughs) (laughs) well no this is this is one of the modules i've been or we'll talk about how you scrambled your brain with an eeg yeah (laughs) to your bukla <laughs> so so this is a very weird module because well it's not necessarily weird it just takes your brain waves converts them into bukla compatible um envelopes and bukla it's compatible. not really weird no it's not not out there at all <laughs> yeah so rosenboom was getting was heavy into brainwave he still is he still does performances with biofeedback and um i've always been blown away by it like alvin lucier did the the whole piece uh, music for solo performer where he controls acoustic instruments with alpha waves so this module here takes your biofeedback your brain waves and separates it into three different waveforms so you can have your alpha waves which is your resting state your beta and then uh, gamma or theta which is like uh, when you're using a lot of your brain okay so um rosenboom's approach to brainwave music is a little different um he wasn't really about sitting there and making an oscillator go like, <laughs> you know, he didn't want to sit there and make a song out of brainwaves. Um, mm-hmm. He wanted the performer as the performer was playing to read the brain brainwaves of the performance and then feed them back into the system somehow to make it change the, the piece. So mm. essentially you have your brainwave. Um, you, you could either sit at a piano, you could play the bukla. And the brainwaves from this module could go to anything else in the system, you know, envelopes or, you know, pretty much anything. And as you're playing, your brain activity of you playing actually will influence other parts of the patch. Gotcha. Okay. So so in in essence, you're really just listening to the creative process, which is kind of a really highbrow way of looking at it. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, Rosenboom bought it, or he wrote a book or it's really like a compilation of some of his early documents on brainwave research and it's called uh, biofeedback and the arts. Um, believe it or not, the publisher still has copies of this. So it's, if you're into Bukla, it's worth writing them. Um, okay. may, I'll, I'll get you a link, Kyle, if people cool. want to pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. But um, notes. yeah, because it's it's a rare book, but it has all of his documents on pretty much all of his experiments he's done with brainwaves. And what Don did was he took some of uh, Rosenboom's schematics for like the filters that filter out the brainwaves and um, mm-hmm. the preamplifiers and stuff like that, and he squeezed them into one module for Rosenboom. So, have I seen this posted somewhere or something? Like, I'm trying to think if I've. Um, I believe seen what this thing looks like it's the panels unmarked it just has knobs and you know okay. jacks all over it and then there's a yeah. second box which um i believe is the preamplifier um that okay. 
So you have like your brain waves coming out of your head are basically a very, very small volume. So they have to amplify it like a hundred or a thousand times to get it up to signal yeah. level. It's kind of a controversial module because um, in terms of hooking people up to it, you're technically putting yourself in slight amount of danger because your body has to be grounded to it. Okay. So if anything goes south on the power supply, Jesus, your body is connected right to the ground. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're looking, we're looking into isolating the signal somehow. So, there's there's ways that they do it in hospitals you know they use optical isolation where they have like a vectoral that sends the signal from one side to the other so okay. if, if something does go south you're not hooked up to the live yeah. wire basically uh, yeah something so, in between you <laughs> yeah so uh yeah i'm the guinea pig i have the cables and i have everything here i've got the and i'm gonna scramble oh, his the... brain <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, so in a year and a half, when we talked, we're like, uh, Mark's, uh, yeah, Mark's not... comatose. Yeah. He's... I can only speak through the book. You can only speak <laughs> through his brainwave, the EEG 276. Like Captain Pike in that episode of Star Trek with the, <laughs> the single beeping light. Beep, 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 yeah. beep, beep. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, that's another wild part of the research. It's it's on the back burner for now because we're focusing real hard on a, on a, some of the action. You know, I've already module. laid it out though. So we, there's actually yeah. circuit board art for it. Yeah, I have to. We just have to. Mark has to, booklify it, make it look more legit. But yeah, that's it's it's being worked on. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but we keep getting other stuff, uh, which is good. We just got the two two seven um the systems interface yes yeah. systems yeah. interface so we're working on that one now so yeah we Which just made, a... made the plunge bought the 400 dollars worth of meters for it so it's a go <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say like <laughs> yeah. yeah somebody like was gonna be was talking about doing like a group buy on those things adam scramstead like and thank you for yeah. doing that and uh yeah that got our order in so it's a go oh sweet but we found yeah. out a lot of the stuff we like to make it so it works with um Roman style panels so that our modules could be used with existing panels. And we found out that while wow, uh, Romans 227 is incorrect, the panel's Ooh. wrong. Yeah. So we can't use cool. that panel. Got just like uh, physically, it's like the spacing's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a, you could tell that Roman derived his panel drill files from like pictures, but there's not a lot of really good pictures out there. They're you know? skewed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. like when you skew them and when you straighten them, you know, you have all these like parallax problems that like just get amplified on what, so what ends up happening is the, on, on Roman's panel is all the channel volume knobs on the left side are squashed together closer. Okay. So, cool. so in the error kind of gets worse and worse as you go to the left. Um, mm -hmm. Chip always, brings up the think ahead sign where it's all squashed. <laughs> Love that <laughs> one. <laughs> well, that's kind of what happened. So some of the panels we've had to redesign, um, but a lot of his drill files are, are spot on, but there's a few of them, like the rare ones, like little inconsistencies, like where like the board mounting holes go, which th that's not really a night, you know, terrible situation. It's something mm -hmm. we can just get around by drilling different holes in the boards. But 
yeah, that the two two seven panel is definitely something we're gonna have to redesign. Gotcha. Yeah. Did um so for these ones uh, for making your own panels, are you screen printing those yourselves? Yeah. 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 They're uh, we buy um from a grayscale modular the blank panels and then um I silk screen them with uh, okay. epoxy ink. Gotcha. It's a nightmare. Yeah, it is a nightmare. <laughs> That's a really intense ink to work with. Got to go. Yeah. It's uh, rather unforgiving. In the mortal words of Sonic the Hedgehog, you got to go fast. <laughs> I got to go fast. It's true. It's, yeah. You're printing with glue, epoxy glue. So, yeah. yeah. about five minutes of working time, it seems. But we're buying, oh, wow. buying some uh, retarder to make it so it's uh, get a little bit more working time as we have right. to make more multiples. A lot of times it's just making one or two, one for me, one for Mark, and then that's our prototype. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it, did you do that for the 264, I'm guessing? Because Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. It looks good. Thank you. I love I love it. Love yeah. the 264 and 265. Just the 265 beautiful. is an underrated module. I think that's a great little module. Yeah. 265. Bottom section's real nice. The correlation, nice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you listen to if if you, I hope you listen to the what we did with it. Um, <laughs> we explored the correlation and um, it had some really neat effects. You know, so uh, the outcome of it was, I I don't really know exactly. It's a very, musical, exactly. It's a very yeah. musical module. That the the bottom yeah, section exactly. the cor- correlated one is it's very uh, kind of surprised me actually. The we noise cool though is it. atrocious. I love the noise. It's so bad. It's so crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, I was going to try to um, to fix that with the Noise Druid. Um, the popular fix for that is to use the Noise Druid uh, IC. And then I yeah, went, yeah. that's cheating. So yeah. you guys got to hear what that sounds like. And that's, yeah. And that is me selecting a bunch of components and spending time on that. Not just throwing it together and here you go. That was me really trying to get as good as I possibly could get it to sound. And that just sounds like people chewing glass or something. <laughs> it's awful. But that's it's what it sounds girthy. like. So. Yeah. Um, have there been any... Mark, you've showed me like some... I guess like going back to like the panels. Um, just like interesting patterns that have come from from that i think it was like the um the 207 mixer has like a oh the nazca lines oh yeah yeah you mean um yeah like the vulture is yeah yeah (laughs) the nazca line vulture that that image of that board like literally does creep me out like i remember working on that really late at night and it's like you're coming across like some like alien like it's so weird. I like someone had to have just been like an acid casualty laying that out and just like and <laughs> that was definitely made to look like that. I mean, somebody yeah. did that was a that's an art thing. I mean, down right. to like the eyeball of the you know in the bird's head. It's, yeah, it's the, the ground plane is definitely made to look like a bird. You right. gotta see this thing, Robert. You, you kind of like sketched it out for me. I gotta find that. We gotta post that. Yeah, yeah, I want to see there, it really bad or something like there's that. There's a um there's a and it's funny because this is how crazy I am. I hunted down this book because there's this book about <laughs> there's this book oh, that's, that's in about our, that's in our Dropbox actually in our in our 
folder for that. There's pictures of vultures and birds. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of caves along the California coast, you know, and and mm-hmm. there's a theory that I have that Don or someone whoever was had their hand in like the board artwork or anything like that, like had visited some of these places and kind of used it as um, like any influences on their artwork. And in the caves uh, on the coastline, there's a lot of cave drawings and there's cave drawings of vultures that look identical to this board. It's so bizarre. It's like, (laughs) and it's to the point where I can just, I could totally see someone going like, Oh, that looks really cool. I'm going to take a picture of that and then like use it in something, you know, or like Mm -hmm. some, so there's also an interesting, um, I'm trying to remember exactly where it is. I think it's called the lands End. um, I want to say it's called the lands End labyrinth. You should probably Google that. I think that's a mall in Michigan, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Lands End Labyrinth um, looks identical to the the 113 touch plate. Um, Uh, Okay, yeah. um, We spoke a little bit of um, last time, but I don't think you guys had made it yet. Yeah, there's a... There's like a petri like what a a petroglyph, um, like a formation of rocks out on uh, the beach in San Francisco, and it's been there for forever. You know, it's basically people just add stones to it and rebuild it up every time it goes away. But mm-hmm. it looks identical to the the one thirteen touch plate. Now it's that like, we just said mm-hmm. that, actually, when I lived in San Francisco, there's a church that has a labyrinth like that in front of the church. Yeah, and I don't remember what church so- it is, but I remember walking and going through the labyrinth and you go to the middle. Yeah. So that could have been it too. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty cool though. You know, seeing like an actual feature from San Francisco and you start to think, you know, maybe there, there were taking inspiration from things around them, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's kind of a cool idea. Unconfirmed. Unconfirmed. (laughs) As with all this, like I, I love, Yeah the commitment and how much time you guys spend on the stuff that you know you kind of have to you you're you're getting inspired yourselves yeah <laughs> and uh you know trying to yeah figure out this mythology the 158 has a squid on the back um <laughs> it does look like a squid there's a squid on the back of the 158 pc board art so <laughs> vultures and squids and labyrinths is the name of our new book we're putting out yeah i was gonna say yeah it's about the new band yeah it's our new yeah it's our new band <laughs> with mark with his scrambled eeg brain on vocoder and you know, light. you know that's one of the one of the things that we strive for is this like transparent view of don's work so like we go into this completely without any anyone else coloring our experience you know Mm-hmm. So we've had some people in the past say like, well, that's not correct or this is incorrect. And it's like, well, we're working with the information as we're uncovering it. You know, it's like if when you go find like a, an old archaeological dig, um, you don't really have many people to ask about things. Um, yeah. You have to go with your, you know, all the senses. You have to say like, well, how old is this? Like, where did this come from? You know, what's the history? How can I figure this out? So... We do a lot of speculation on our part, but uh, it's all from our own experience. And that's kind of what MEMS is all about. It's like the story of us discovering this archaic technology. 
and getting yeah. it to work. Right. Thanks doing the and, Lord's work. And a big thanks to Dave Brown <laughs> yeah. for helping us on our adventure. Because geez, oh, Pete's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the uh, what's the status of the website? Because it was just going up the last time we talked. And so do you got more stuff coming up on there soon? We do, yeah. Um, that's going to be a focus as we uh, start to slow down even more. You know, we're getting towards the end of what we're working on. So once we get some free time, of course, I'm going to go hard, you know, hardcore into the website and just start updating, making pages live and things like that. Cool. Yeah, if you guys, listeners, haven't checked it out, uh, memsproject.info. So another thing that we've been working on is uh, contributing um, pictures and find and pictures from our archive and hunting down pictures for the Alan Strange book uh, reissue of electronic music. Cool. So that was interesting to contact uh, a- uh, Harold Boat's son, Pierre, who's been really helpful finding uh, photos for that. And it's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Wow. You know, That's yeah, I was huge because Robert won't let me borrow his copy. So, <laughs> well, there's a reissue coming out, so you're gonna get a shiny yes. new one. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, we uh, I was contacted by Heidi from uh, Rearson, and uh, she's spearheading this book. And you know, she was collecting images, and um, we had a lot of pictures, you know, that we took. And the problem that they were having was they couldn't get uh, release forms for pictures, they had no idea who took. Um, so we hunted down as many pictures as we could for them. And she was telling me how they couldn't find, um, the rights to the photos of the Bode vocoder and other things. So Chip reached out to Pierre, got a hold of Pierre. Um, and Pierre was just elated that we we were, what we were doing, you know, he's really stoked on, on memes and he, uh, sent us all the original images and everything from, uh, from the book. So we were able to stoke out Heidi at uh, Rearson and get into the book. <laughs> that's awesome. And it should be, yeah, and it should no, be called crazy. a boat. And in, in my mind, it should be called the boat coder, but the boat, the boat coder, but I don't know. I guess I don't get to name it. Probably for the best. And I'd never <laughs> want to build one of those. Cause that thing looks really intense to build. <laughs> Scared of that one. <laughs> is there any hope of like i wish there was like some s- sort of music being released in conjunction with with the re-release of that because i feel like it's so hard to track down stuff that alan did that's a good question i i could ask her um i know that uh all this stuff is sanctioned so she probably has access to things that uh um they're gonna do like a kickstarter i believe um oh, cool. so there's probably gonna be different uh levels as they usually do so they might have some tricks up their sleeve Mm -hmm. i have alan strange's autograph which is weird and uh, i'm not surprised by that (laughs) and i told i told her that i had it and she's like what (laughs) i was like yeah you can use it as like i don't know like put it in the binding or something like as a introduction or at the end you know it's kind of a cool thing well that's awesome (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, yeah, Robert, you got any other questions or no, um, I just, 
going to reiterate a couple of points. Um, the lamps on the <laughs> 265 are awesome, and they I was telling um, Mark that they burn my retinas like uh, <laughs> like like laser beams when, when they were firing up. Yeah, they um, are they are bright, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And then the panels, those those two panels, especially the 264, which is really new to me, are just gorgeous. I mean, the the layout and the the printing on the panels themselves, and you know, the, thank you. The, just beautiful modules. I love, and I'm not a huge fan of Davies knobs on modules that normally have Rogans, you know. But since these didn't, these weren't designed for Rogans, the the Davies knobs look, um, they just look perfect on it. it. Makes me wish I could have a giant. 200 system well there you go that's what we're going to hope to make uh possible in the <laughs> in the future here coming up yeah but, yeah and it, was, it was so much fun playing with uh with all of them all four of the modules so really appreciate you guys sending that out to us i'm looking at it over there and that's in, it's by my Skylab, and i'm like i can't wait to heave it off the uh the little and put it back on my desk <laughs> possibly with some protective gloves so i don't get cut by the uh, the sharp points of that boat, <laughs> it, it, yeah. Oh, the yeah, it is just a, a Hammond case. Yeah, it's not, it's it's not that bad. I, it's, I'm being dramatic. I, I guess I was like, it's not that sharp. It, it, tape it's on it. A, if it's that big a problem. <laughs> I think I taped up one of the holes in it. With yeah, the, yeah, with aluminum tape though. Yeah, that was a nice touch. I yeah, thought the well, aluminum thought tape so as well. Was, yeah, the aluminum tape. Yeah, yeah clear. Have, you have a clear eye for aesthetics. <laughs> I do. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was gonna. I was. I had the thought. I've got like a bunch of the um of this like prism tape, you know that. Yeah. Uh, the blue used on prism some of tape the boats. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that'd be funny if I just like wrap the whole thing. You could do that stuff and sends it back to you. That's expensive tape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I'll take that. That'd be take worth it off and reuse it. <laughs> that would be worth the shipping. <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah you might get a bedazzled boat oh man i, I will be bedazzled myself <laughs> one of the last things i'd like to to bring up is we have done pretty much everything in the 100 paradigm except 148 if anybody has pictures of a 148 the harmonic generator or oscillator Harmonic generator. Generator. If we can get pictures of that, there's a free module for somebody. If they want a 264, boom, 264 for pictures. If we can build, use the pictures to build one, we will give you a module because we need to finish the 100. Yeah, yeah. that needs to be done. Yeah. What so. if I what if I made one in Photoshop? It was like, here's what the 148 <laughs> looks like. <laughs> fly out there and find Jen. <laughs> Hey, you will, Detroit too. style. <laughs> be good to see you. <laughs> Might be worth it. I don't know. So yeah, if, um, you know, if Richard D. James is listening, yeah, um, if you're yeah. listening, Richard D. James, uh, we got modules for you for pictures. <laughs> I'm going over my notes. The only thing what we didn't talk about is that uh, everybody's 208 has the wrong resistor in the reverb card. <laughs> There, now nah, there's the end of my notes. <laughs> it sounded like you're well, turning the a lot of pages to figure, <laughs> to figure out that moleskin. Um, <laughs> what what would the right one do? Make it less muddy. Yeah. So everyone um, says that the reverb's like really muddy and dark. Well, 
Chip and Dave were going over the 208, and they found out that there's a wrong resistor in the reverb circuit. The 227, the um, system interface has the same uses the same reverb card as the 208. Yeah, as uh, the 208, the 73 and 75 version, and there's one 1.5k resistor on that card, and it should be 1.5 meg. And the difference is the roll off of the uh, low pass filter that the 1.5k doesn't really do anything. Well, it filters out uh, 225,000 hertz, which is not really going <laughs> to. Uh, affect the sound so much unless you have something like, like that a dog my, yeah my dog laying next to me could hear that and be like what well, it's the it's the amp amperage that kills you yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right so the 1.5 meg that should be in the place is 225 cycles which is a low you know like a low frequency so it filters that out so it wouldn't be so muddy yeah you'd have more usable range on the reverb knob in theory in theory, but I don't, my, uh, my 208 doesn't work anymore. And I'll tell you why, because I used the wrong solder and it got corroded. It was the Let first, that be a lesson. it was the first Bukla thing I ever made was the easel and I ruined it. So I'm going to make it into a, a viral skateboard video. I'm going to put trucks on it and go do some wicked shredding on my <laughs> 208 Bukla easel. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. I'm looking forward Done. to that. Done. Put that up on the, uh, on the website. Cowabunga, <laughs> dude. We'll link that from the website. All there right. Yeah. yeah. Be that I've never stood on a skateboard before, it'd probably just be me kind of scooting around with like one foot. <laughs> kind of Whatever slow. works. <laughs> Whatever works, I still would be going for it. <laughs> we should probably do the outro before. Yeah, before I descend even more. Into oh, this is in. This is in. I don't care anymore. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'm not kidding. All right. <laughs> All right, fellas. I guess we'll cut it off there. And um, we'll talk to you in a year and a half. Sounds yeah. great. Nice talking to you guys. Yeah, it's yeah. always well, great real, to be here. Enjoy. Real quick, any, anything else other than uh, the website that uh, people should follow you on or anything? I'd say oh. uh, the one thing that look forward to is start checking the beast is looks like we're going to start selling some boards here in the near future. So if people so are in kits, you know, boards and that he's going to sell the panels. So, okay. So Julian, um, the beast. Yeah. Yes. He's going to be carrying our, uh, the mems, uh, swag. So, okay. Right. Yeah. So this is kind of a big announcement because, um, for the longest time, we've kind of just kind of hidden the shadows and, you know, there's a lot of people doing the the Buchla stuff, but unfortunately, not too many people are doing it with the same level of attentiveness to detail as we we are. And I would much prefer seeing people using modules that are working as Don intended them to work. So that's that's all I'm going to say. I'm not well going to point any fingers, you know. <laughs> so okay. it's more important to me than uh, <laughs> than uh, seeing a bunch of systems with a bunch of stuff that might not work properly. <laughs> <laughs> all right well, well i'm looking forward to it perfect right. um well thanks dudes yeah all right yeah. It's always a pleasure all have, right thank you have a nice uh, year and a half and we'll see you then <laughs> all right bye all right bye-bye
would like to thank Chip and Mark for being on the show today. Go to memsproject.info for more information on what they're up to. And as Chip mentioned, check out thebeast.co.uk in the future for Mem's offerings. Check out our friends' podcasts. We've got Tim Held's Podular Modcast, Jay Ryan's The Deerhorn Podcast, and the Galaxy Electric's Cosmic Tape, Cosmic Tape Music Club Podcast. One of my favorites. If you want to help support the show, you can do so through Patreon at patreon.com slash sourceofuncertainty. And you can get your Source of Uncertainty t-shirts at sourceofuncertainty.threadless.com. You can find out more about the show or contact us through our website, sourceofuncertainty.audio. We'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at sourceofuncertainty and on YouTube. Until next month. Have a good summer. Thank you.